Let's go to Romans chapter 16, please. Romans chapter 16 in your Bibles. And we are coming to the last couple of messages in the book of Romans. We've gone, we started, oh, maybe nine or ten months ago, looking, uh, starting in Romans chapter 1 and working our way all the way to where we are right now. The first series in Romans was Good News for a Broken World, and we looked at the gospel of Jesus Christ and how it is the message that the world needs. And the world needs a message right now, wouldn't you agree? And um, I've been excited. I don't know a whole lot about it, but there is a, a, a Christian college in uh, Kentucky where there have been a group of young people that have they started a prayer and worship meeting about 10 days ago, and it hasn't stopped. How many of you have seen that on the news? You saw that going on. And I don't know a whole lot about that school, but I know this. Something can change in America when God's people begin to pray and seek his face. And it's exciting. And um, I was, I, uh, revival isn't something that you can create. It's not something that you can... Uh, that you can manufacture, but it is something you can pray for. You can pray, God, do a work in my life. And really, often, God's work, and I, and I want to encourage you with this. You're, what you're going to see today is this. There are great moves of God that have happened throughout history. And I, I would love, I've never been part of an experience quite like that. And I'd love someday if God would allow me to be. However, some of the greatest works of God that have been done throughout all of history have not been done in, in, in passionate religious moments, but they've been done through the ordinary, normal means of God working through his church. You say, what do you mean? I mean, something as simple as getting up this morning, wiping the groggy off your eyes and saying, you know what? I am going to go to church today. Or on Monday morning, getting up and saying, you know what? It's been a while, but I'm going to open my Bible this morning. And I'm going to start my day in God's word. You see, God can change our lives through the ordinary, mundane, everyday experiences of our faith. And so let's look at a really, really cool passage today. And it's entitled this. The, the message is entitled this, if you have a copy of your notes. And I'd encourage you to have something to write with today as well, because I'm going to give you a couple things to write down at the, end of the, at the end of the service, at the end of the message. But we're going to talk about the theme, friends in the gospel, friends in the gospel. Now, of course, we need to read our renewed theme verse, which is Romans 12 and verse number two. So, Joe, if you could give me that, perfect. Let's read this verse together. It's been our theme for the series. Good and loud, good and strong, together with me, begin. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good, and acceptable and perfect will of God. The idea is that the gospel that saves us, when we put our faith in Christ, we don't just get an eternity in heaven, but we get a transformed and renewed life today. And we're looking at how that plays out, and we've seen different themes. But in Romans 16, Paul is going to introduce us to some of his friends in the gospel. In fact, look at verse number one in Romans 16. Ready? It says, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister. How many of you came in this morning and you knew there was a Phoebe in the Bible? I mean, you just knew that. I mean, you can tell me. I'm just curious. How many people knew there was a Phoebe? I'd say about 
30% of the room knew about Phoebe. We don't really, I mean, you know about David and Goliath, right? You know about, you don't even have to go to church to know about David and Goliath. Or you might have heard about Daniel in the lion's den. But have you heard about Sister Phoebe? What a great name, huh? Well, there's a whole bunch of names here. And you're like, Ethan, are you really going to preach through the names today? Just be glad we're not in the books of Chronicles, all right? Because I am. Here we go. We're going to look at the names. Why? Because these are the friends of the Apostle Paul. These were people that meant something to him. And I want to share this point with you this morning. I want to get this. If you get nothing else, I want you to understand this. You will never have friendships like you can have in the family of God. You will never have relationships like you can have. You say, oh yeah, but Ethan, I've had some, I've had some bad church experiences. Listen, so have I. We all have. I've had some bad family experiences too, but you know what? I'm thankful for God's gift of family, aren't you? And the same is true in the church. The same is true in the family of God. You see, as people, as human beings, we desire relationship. In fact, it's one of the things that reflects the image of God, right? God is a trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, eternally in relationship, one and the same, but together. In the same way, humans, we desire lasting relationships. Can you think to a time where you've been reunited with an old friend? Where you were reunited with an old friend. Jane, you're nodding your head. I remember you telling me that story about your friend from California last year that you met up with. And you both became Christians separately in your life. And you met and had, had an awesome time. I remember that story you told me. But hey, can you remember reunion? Now, one of two things happens. One of two things happens when you have that reunion with an old friend. Either you say, wow, you haven't changed a bit. How many of you had experiences like that? That's awesome, isn't it? But then sometimes you're reunited with somebody and there's unmet expectations because things aren't exactly how you remember them. Now, I don't mean to bring up any sad memories like that, but it's a reality of life. You see, sometimes people change and sometimes relationships change. But what I want you to see this morning is this, and what Paul shows us in these names that I'm going to preach through, is that friendships that are centered on the gospel, friendships that are centered on the Lord Jesus Christ are unchanging. Why? Because they are not based on individual personality. Now, this is important to, set, to, to get this down. What are our human friendships often based on? They're based on similar experiences, shared experience, or shared personality traits. And those things can, be ch can change, right? But a friendship that is based on Jesus Christ is not based on that. It's based on a mutual love for the Lord and a dedication to His call in our lives. And because of that, they're unchanging. Why? because Jesus never changes. Jesus never changes. So let's walk through some of these with the Lord's help this morning. First of all, if you want to open your notes, I'm going to try my best to not, I know there's a lot here, but I, I really don't think I'm going to take a long time on this. So let's move kind of quickly. I've said this before, I promise I'll preach fast if you listen fast. Are you with me? All right, here we go. 
So it says here, yeah, all the new people laugh at that, and all the people that have been here cringe at that, right? They're like, oh, there he goes. There, there he goes. But, but it's always good to have people laugh because you know, like, oh, they haven't heard that one before. So here we go. Here we go. It says this. I commend unto you, what's her name? Phoebe, our sister. Now, we, uh, Bill Gaither wrote the song, you may notice, we say brother and sister round here. That's because we're a family and these folks are so dear. That's an old song called The Family of God. And you know something, the, the point here is this, Phoebe, those of you, you probably understand this, Phoebe is not Paul's biological sister. It's his sister in the Lord. And she is the servant of the church, which is at Centria. That would be in the region of Corinth, which is where Paul is writing this from. In fact, little clue, how many of you, if you've got an, if you, you won't see this on the screen, but if you've got a copy of the scriptures in front of you, go all the way down, all the way down to the end of the book of Romans, at the very, very end. Now, in your copy of the scriptures, after it says amen, does everybody see the amen there? Say amen if you see amen. All right, good. After it says amen, how many of you have a little postscript there, a little explanatory note? Okay. And what does it say? In my Bible, it's written this way. Written to the Romans from Corinthus and sent by whom? Phoebe. And sent by Phoebe, servant of the church at Centria. Back to Romans 16. I want to make a couple of quick notes about Phoebe. I want you to notice this, though. There's an important thing that needs to be mentioned. And that is we need to note the role of the women of the early church. Women played a key and prominent role in the early church. In fact, in this list of names, and there are a lot of them, um, we are certain that seven of these individuals are women, and potentially nine, but the names, the old Greek names, could have either applied to a man or a woman. It's important to realize that the prominent role of women in the early church was a cultural shattering movement. Some, some people today like to, they want to criticize Christianity for being antiquated regarding gender roles and things like that. But the fact of the matter is this, Christianity opened the door for women in the early church that had never been experienced in, in any other movement up until that time. And Phoebe plays a very significant role. Seven to nine of those mentioned in Romans are women. She is so trusted and she is so dependent on that they say, who will carry this letter all the way from Corinth to Rome. Who can we count on? Who can we trust? And somehow they decided that this letter, this epistle to the Romans, would be carried by none other than Sister Phoebe. And they gave the letter to Sister Phoebe. And she's called the servant. That is the diakonon. That's from, from which we get the term deacon. Uh, she is the servant of the church, which is at Centria. We know uh, from other scriptures the um, important role that of, uh, in Titus, Paul would say that it's very important for the, the older men to teach the younger men, and it's very important for the older women to teach the younger women. So it would appear as if she had that kind of prominent role in the church. This is Sister 
Phoebe. And Paul writes, and he says this, what I want you to do is when she gets there, I commend her to you. I want you to know that she means a lot to me, and she ought to mean a lot to you. He says in verse number two, I want you to receive her in the Lord as becometh saints. In other words, give her the Christian welcome that she deserves, and then, knowing Sister Phoebe, she may have a few things she wants you to do. I just get the impression that this, this lady kind of knew what she was about, she had some plans, and she said, listen, whatever she needs you to do, Paul says, would you just do it? Would you just assist her in whatever she needs? Because she's been a, a succorer of many. That means that she provided help. She was the one that could be counted on. She could be counted on a time of need. She served, she served, she served. And her name, recorded for all the ages, is Phoebe. Now you know about Sister Phoebe. But there's more. Paul says, let me introduce you to some more of my friends. And we go from Phoebe to Aquila and Priscilla. These two are wonderful servants of the Lord. Verse number three, I want you to greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus. So here's what's happening. Paul is sending Phoebe with a letter, and in the letter he says, oh, I want you to say hi to some friends of mine. Would you say hi to, what are their names? Let's try them. They are Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus. Look at how they're described in verse number four. Who have for my life laid down their own necks? He says, these two, Aquila and Priscilla, they have risked their lives for me. Do you think that creates a bond of friendship, a bond of loyalty? And you say, what do you mean risk, risk their lives? Well, if, you, if you're not aware, um, Paul was involved in some illegal activities. You say, what do you mean Paul was involved in some illegal activities? Paul would go and preach the gospel when the religious authorities did not want him to do that. He would risk his life. He would defy the orders sometimes of the local magistrates. Paul was imprisoned and beaten and he was run out of towns. Paul risked his life for the gospel, and every now and then, when Paul was in particular danger, who would step in and risk their lives? Well, Aquila and Priscilla. Did you hear the code word in the video we watched a few minutes ago? You're like, code word? There was a code phrase in there. Did anybody pick up on what it was? You did? Deborah did? did anybody else pick up? You're like, I heard the code word in the video. All right, I'm impressed. What, uh, what was the code? It was, yeah, it was creative access. Do you remember that now? Creative access countries. And they said missionaries from these countries, they were going to, you know, to India, to Africa, and to creative access countries. Do you know what that means, guys? That means that on that video we watched today, that without their names being mentioned, there were Christian men and women who are risking their lives today to bring the gospel to places where it's illegal to speak the name of Jesus. That's happening today. And a lot of times, it's too, it, what was really cool about that video is that uh, for Americans, if we try to go places, we're like a big red flag, you know? 
It's like, it's like an alarm goes off. It's probably because wherever we go, we look for McDonald's. It's just a thing, you know. Where, where, but, but other than that, Americans, you have an American passport, it can open some doors, but it also closes some doors. But if you're from Indonesia, you can get to places that American Christians can't go. Apparently, if you're from Australia or Canada, you can go places that American missionaries cannot go. But there are people even today in places like Iraq and the Sudan and places like um, North Korea where people are risking their lives to spread the gospel. You may have even heard about it a few weeks ago. It was on national news that there was an American who was killed by a gang on the streets of Baghdad. I don't know if you remember hearing that. It was in the news and it was just a little, just a little mention of it. Well, because what they didn't say was what many of us knew in the Christian community was that he was there, undercover, so to speak, spreading the gospel of Christ. And he was very loved by the local Muslim community. They loved him. They knew what he was all about. But a group of extremists came and they took his life. And... I think he has two daughters that are left without their dad, but he, gave, but he realized that there was a greater purpose for which he lived. And, and, peop, and Paul says, I serve with Aquila and Priscilla. And those are, I want you to say hi to them because they risked their lives for me. Now, I don't have any brothers and sisters in this church that have risked their, risked their lives for me that I can think of that I'm aware of anyway. But I do have brothers and sisters in this church who have given much of their lives to me. I grew up in this church, and there are, I shared with our starting point group the other the, two weeks ago that, that we, had, uh, we had new people in the starting point group, and then we also had some older members to, to, to be hosts in that meeting. And I said, you know, there's one of the members of this church actually taught me kindergarten, taught me Sunday school, another one did. It's a blessing to be part of the family of God over years and years and years. People that have given their lives. Um, I don't think she'll mind me saying this, but Donna Hartledge, she can't be here today uh, because she, she's not feeling well, but she said she wanted to be here. And she's taught Sunday school in our church for over 15 years. And uh, I heard Micah came up to me the other day, and Micah Hare runs our children's program, and he said, well, Donna said that she wants to keep teaching Sunday school at least until Alina makes it through her class. Alina is Aaron's youngest daughter, just one year old. And I was just encouraged by that because I realized that each of my kids and then each of my nieces and nephews, Lord willing, will have sat under Donna Hartledge in her Sunday school class. And not, not all of them yet, but many have gone through in Amy's class. And you, some of you taught Sunday school to my children. And... These are the relationships that Paul is talking about. The story of Aquila and Priscilla, you can, they're, they're, I'm spending a little more time on them because they play a more prominent role in Scripture. You see them in Acts chapter 18. Paul ends up in, Paul ends up in Corinth. And Aquila and Priscilla were in Corinth because they used to live in Rome. But a Roman emperor named Claudius said all the Jews cannot live in Rome any longer. It was, it was a, a, pogrom, a pogrom against the Jews, and there were multiple persecutions against the Jews throughout history, but this one they said, all right, we're sick of you, out of, out of Rome. They had nowhere to go. They end up in Corinth. They make tents. 
Paul ends up in Corinth. Guess what, what he can do? He can make tents. And, it, and as he's spreading the gospel of Jesus and he's trying to find a way to provide for himself, he meets Aquila and Priscilla. They're strangers up until that point. And Aquila and Priscilla say, hey, Paul, why don't you work with us? Better than that, they open their home and they say, Paul, while you're here, don't just work in the tent business, but why don't you live with us as well? They're, they're in Corinth. Paul heads to Ephesus. Guess what Aquila and Priscilla do? They follow him to Ephesus. They meet a guy named Apollos there, and they spend time personally discipling Apollos. And now, years later, they're back in Rome. They're back in Rome. They've traveled, they've traveled from, from, think about your map. They were in Rome. Then they end up in Greece. Corinth is a, is a Greek city. Now they're, then they go to another Greek city called Ephesus. Then they pack up their tents, literally, and they head back to Rome. And now they're serving the church in Rome. Sometimes people come into our lives and they're, they're anchored in and they're here for a long time. There's other people that God moves in and out of our lives. But regardless of where they find themselves, they serve the Lord. Those are friends worth counting. Aquila and Priscilla. Well, let's keep going. Verse number five, we've got some more, we've got some more people we're introduced to. In verse number five, likewise, greet the, ch oh, we missed this. Oh, look at verse number five. Likewise, greet the church that is in whose house? I moved too fast. The church that's where? Aquila and Priscilla's house. The churches didn't have, churches in Rome didn't have buildings like this. They were just, they, they, they didn't have a lot, but there were some people in the church that were apparently, they had the means to have a big enough house to gather the church. Maybe tent making had been particularly good for Aquila and Priscilla in Rome. Maybe they're doing well and they've got a house and they, they say, you know what? Why don't you all gather here? Come on here. Let's have church here at our house. And the church would gather at Aquila and Priscilla's house. Eponidas, or however you say it. Eponidas is the next one in verse number five. He says, salute my well-beloved, my well-beloved Aponidas, who is the firstfruits of Achaia unto Christ. What that means, the firstfruits of Achaia, is this. Paul brought the gospel message into the region of Achaia, and the very first person who came to know Jesus was, you guessed it, Aponidas. He said he was the first one. And he remembered that. Boy, we're celebrating every February. Every February, we, we look back at the founding of Mount Greylock Baptist Church. Late January, 1982, this church was founded. And the first fruits, the first fruits of Mount Greylock Baptist Church are still here today. Because just like Achaia was the first, just like Eponidas was the first one to come to Christ in the churches of Achaia, Miss Thompson was the first one to come to Christ at Mount Greylock Baptist Church in 1982. That's a goosebumps moment for me. That, that they, the first fruits, that's what it's talking about that the gospel came. 
And you and I, that the, 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 some of us, some of you, you came to know Christ elsewhere, but I came to know Jesus Christ as my Savior right here. And I'm not referring to the building, but among this body of believers, I came to know Christ. The first fruits. Eponidas was the first convert in Achaia. And when Paul writes to the Romans, he says, we see Eponidas still faithfully following the Lord after all those years. First convert, still faithfully following. If you're new to, the, to Christianity or you're new to church life, you say, boy, this, uh, you, 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 you know, you get a little bit emotional about this. Well, listen, for the believer, for the believer in Jesus Christ, we have been given the gift of the local church. We do not view it as an association or an organization and by no means a social club or a place to attend. But the local church gathered is the family of God. Friendships in the faith of Jesus Christ. And so we take it seriously. We take our commitment to one another seriously. Then there's Mary. Mary, that's a Jewish name, of course. Many of these that we're looking at are Greeks and, and Romans. Others are Jewish, like Aquila and Priscilla are Jewish. But Mary also, she's, she's Jewish. And not a lot is said about this Mary. There were a lot of prominent Marys in the Bible. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary Magdalene. And now this Mary in the church at Rome. And it says about Mary, Greet Mary, who bestowed much labor on us. That's all it says. But Paul thinks back and he, and he remembers Mary and he says, you know, Mary just worked so hard. She just worked so hard. Well, then after Mary is Andronicus and Junia. Look at verse 7. Salute Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen. Now, when he says my kinsmen, there's a, there's a few questions we have about these two, if you like to study these kind of things. Andronicus and Junia it's possible some people believe that these two may have been husband and wife. And that is because Junia is a, um, is, can be, the problem with it is in the original language, it can either be male or female. So we don't know 100%. It would make sense if it's female that they're linked together as a husband and wife, Andronicus and Junia. Or it could be that they're both men and they are linked together because of their, the uh, kinsman relationship to Paul. That they are in some way related to Paul. Now, they're either related as um, family members or they are related as belonging to the same tribe of Israel. They're Jewish. And so they may belong to the same Jewish tribe that Paul belongs to and he refers to it, them as kinsmen. So we don't even know exactly, but we know that they're mentioned. And it also, we learn here that they are not only Paul's kinsmen, but he said, my fellow what? My fellow prisoners. These are, these are two that have found themselves at least in one, at one time sitting in a jail for the cause of Christ. What a group of people this, this church at Rome was, huh? Can you imagine looking around the room at a church service? And sitting next to you are people that traveled with the Apostle Paul. 
And over here is a lady that served, served him. And those two, oh, you get to know, you know, they had church dinner afterwards. Like, oh, you gotta, you gotta meet Andronicus and Junia. They spent some time in jail. Oh, no, not for what you think. It's okay, right? It's okay. They, did, they were in jail for the cause of Christ. What a church. Each person with a different story, each person united in Christ, each person having dedicated their lives to the cause of Christ. And it says, it says also about them, they are of note among the apostles. That literally means, the literal, that of note, it literally means there was a mark on them. They were marked among the apostles. In other words, all of the apostles knew them, that these were special people that served the apostles. And in fact, Paul says this, they're, they're, I'll tell you why they're so known among the apostles. Because Paul says they were in Christ when? Before me. That means they became believers before the Damascus road. They became believers before the apostle Paul was a Christian. And so what they say is this. That, do you understand what that means? That means that these people have been following Christ based on the timeline of the writing of the book of Romans and what was just said for over 25 years. They've been there from the beginning. When the apostles first got started, these, these two were there. Andronicus and Junia, 25 plus years following Christ. Christ, verse 8 and 9. Salute, um, yes, yeah, salute. I'm sorry, I get lost with these names here. Verse 8. Greet Amplius, my beloved in the Lord. Look at that line, beloved in the Lord. Salute Urbane, our helper in Christ. And Stachus, my beloved. Those are the three I want you to see here. A couple things about them. Notice twice it there. How does it, in verse 9? In verse 9 and then back in verse 8. Verse 8 and 9, there's something that's mentioned about these groups of people twice. And what is it? Beloved. The literal, the literal translation of that beloved is my dear friends. My dear friends friends, and my helpers. Just people that Paul remembers said these were just such good friends, and they helped. A couple of weeks ago when our women went to the ladies' conference in Connecticut, they were joined by a former member of our church that had moved away uh, about 15 years ago, actually, and I don't know how many of you remember, were here when John and Catherine Stasco were a part of our church. But they connected, Catherine came and joined our group. She lives a couple hours away. And Catherine said, to, I think she said this to Danielle. She said, I just, I've ne I'm not going to quote the whole thing, right? But she said, I just loved my time at MGBC, she said. We loved it. And she said, when we were there, we got to be involved in everything, she said. We did Sunday school. We were in the choir. We just got to do everything. And I thought back to those years ago. And you know what I thought? I said, yeah, they were. They just got involved in everything. And can I tell you something? Our church had a lot of problems back then. Our church has a lot of problems today. Our church has always had a lot of problems. You know why? Because I'm here and you're here. It wasn't all rosy back then. It's not all rosy now. We're all human beings. But do you know why she has such fond memories of that time? Because she was a helper. 
And it's amazing. Once you get involved and you say, how can I serve? Other problems tend to go away. They go away. My dear friends, beloved, Amplius, Urbane, Urbane, and Stachys. You might remember Phoebe from this morning, but I have a doubt next week you're not going to remember Amplius, Urbane, and Stachys. But just know they're ordinary people who gave their lives for the Lord and for one another. Well, we better hurry. Apollos, Aristobulus, Herodian, Narcissist. You can read about them in verse 10 and 11. It says, Apollos was approved in Christ. That means this is someone who'd been tested. And he came through the testing, and it was proven that he was faithful. Don't know how he was tested. You ever been tested in your faith before? I have. But Apollos, he comes through, or um, actually, I can't remember if that one is the male or, male or female. So we're just going to say the name. Apollos was tested and approved. And then uh, salute them which are of Aristobulus's house. Salute Herodian, my kinsman. Greet them that be of the household of Narcissus, which are in the Lord. Just simply, he's describing friends and family in the Lord. Verse number 12, we're going to look at uh, the TNT sisters along with Persis. Look at verse number 12. Salute Tryphena and Tryphosa. Tryphena and Tryphosa. A lot of people think these two were possibly sisters, maybe even twins. Anybody have an idea why they people surmise that? Huh? Okay, <laughs> somebody's out there, they're like, they're like, the names, the names, it's the names. You got it, because the names are similar. People, people were the, they were the same back then with names. You know, it's just possible that, uh, that they are, they're potentially sisters here following the Lord. And there's those two, there's those, you're looking around the church, and there's, the, there's Aquila and Priscilla, and there's Phoebe over there, and, but don't forget, I'm calling them the TNT sisters, and the impact that they make. What do they do? Oh, this is, we've seen this before. What do they do? They labor in the Lord. Notice how many times this is mentioned. The labor in the Lord. They just serve God. They serve each other. And, per, and Persis as well. Three ladies laboring in the Lord. There's a nursery rhyme there somewhere if you work on it. Laboring in the Lord. Now we go to verse number 13. Rufus and his mom. Poor mom doesn't even get a mention. Moms, how many, of you, how many of you feel like that sometimes? I don't even get my name in this. You know, there's, there's mom behind the scenes doing it. And it's just like, oh yeah, Rufus and uh, his mom. Rufus and his mom. But Rufus was chosen in the Lord. But what, look at, he doesn't use the mother as a throwaway. That's not, I was being facetious. He uses mother because what, time, what relationship does Paul have with this lady? She's like, he's like, she, she, yeah, she might be Rufus's mom, but I feel like she's my mom too. And say hi to them for me. It's possible that this is the same Rufus who's mentioned in Mark 15. Do you remember as Jesus was being led to Golgotha? He stumbled with the cross, and the Roman soldiers pointed to somebody. And they pointed to Simon, a Cyrenian, who passed by. And they said, you carry the cross. Well, we have a little note in Mark 15 by the author saying that this Simon was the father 
of Alexander and Rufus. It's, we don't know for sure, but it's possible that this, it's probable actually, that this Rufus is the one whose father carried the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, I want you to remember them. They're like, these people are like family to me. And then in verses 14 and 15, there's a syncretist and Phlegon and Hermas and Petrobus, Hermes, Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and sister, Olympus. And all the people I didn't mention, all the saints, he says, all the saints, which are with them. Interestingly, all these names are all Greek names. And believe it or not, some of them were common slave names of the day. Isn't that, isn't that fascinating? It, it's the, the socioeconomic makeup of the early church shattered cultural expectations. Paul would say, in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male or female. We are all one in Christ. And so gathering on a Sunday morning in that church was someone who was a, who was a slave in the home of a wealthy person. And then there was the business owners that were hosting. Aquila and Priscilla. And there's some Jews that had come to live in Rome. And all these different people representing the house churches in the great city of Rome. And Paul finishes in verse number 16 and he says this. He says, I want you to give each other a holy greeting. He says, salute one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. You're like, Ethan, are you about to like introduce some new protocol around here? <laughs> nope. Not going to happen. We understand that there are cultural greetings. I'll never forget, we supported a missionary years ago. He, he actually worked with the, the seed line ministry and uh, producing Bibles, and they went on a trip to they went on a trip to uh, Russia to distribute Bibles. And one of the pastors at the church at Russia, and they have one of those very involved greetings, right, with the kiss. And uh, Pastor Tom Tennant says, I, he said, I'll never forget when I went, to, I went to Russia and that Russian pastor came up to me, put his hands on me, and planted one right on the lips, he said. I don't know what I would do in that moment right there. My wife's family are European, and they do the, the little bit more reserved, a uh, little bit more reserved. How, what is it? One, two, three? I, I never know which side you're supposed to start on. You know what I mean? It gets, it gets very confusing. The point is this. It was the common cultural greeting. Just like when you walked in, somebody may have extended a hand and, and, sh and shook your hand, or maybe somebody gave you a hug if you're a little bit closer. We don't do a lot of kissing in North America, but... but he says, let that greeting, let that handshake, let that arm on the shoulder, let that hug be a holy greeting. Don't, don't give the, the, the greeting kiss the same way you do to everyone else in the culture, everyone else in the community. But understand, when you greet with the kiss, when you shake the hand, when you hug, you do so in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the bond of the, the holy life that we've been called to 
together. It's beautiful when you think of it that way, isn't it? And if we would remember as we come in, as we gather, as we greet one another, that this is a holy assembly. And though we don't always live like it, we are a holy people unto our God. So I want to give you this now. I want to give you some very quick statements on the back of your handout. Write these down and think about this. This is the food for thought as we walk out. Number one, God uses different types of people to impact and influence our lives. Did you get that? God uses different types of people to impact and influence our lives. God will bring people into your life as he has in my life that you would never have imagined would have had an impact and an influence on you. God is going to bring, God is going to bring some, some, yes, there's going to be some Aquilas and Priscillas who make a big impact, but there's also going to be some Flagons where you're scratching your head trying to remember that person's name. And that God's going to use them to make an impact. So number, number two, we are not always aware in the moment of the impact that's being made. We're not always aware in the moment of the impact that's being made. Just last year, I ran into a, a young woman who was in my very first teen Sunday school class in 2006, youth group class. And she said to me, she said, and she doesn't live around here anymore, she said, I never told you and Deborah this, she said, but the impact that you had on me is one of the reasons that I'm still following Jesus today. We don't always know we don't always know the impact. And there are people even in here that could be impacting you today. Number three, take time to, well, you could probably fill in this blank yourself. Take time to thank those that God has used in your life. Write a note. Do what Paul did. And maybe it's been years. It was maybe two years ago, my dad got a Facebook message from somebody that rode our Sunday school bus 30 years ago. And he told him his story, and he said, I just wanted to thank you for 30 years ago. God used you in my life. So thank somebody. That's what Paul's doing here. It's biblical. Say, hey, just thank you. Maybe you remember that old song from the, it was the 80s or 90s, sang, sang in churches all the time. Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that was changed. Thank you. Number four, God will use unknown brothers and sisters to accomplish great things. There are people whose names are not, will not be known, but God will use unknown brothers and sisters to accomplish great things. Number five, don't discount the value of hard work. Don't discount the value of hard work for God and others. Listen, part of what I'm, part of our meeting today and what's going to happen, I'm going to actually have these. For everybody that's here today, if you'd like one on your way, I'm going to give you this. This is the MGBC Serve Others Teams Guide. 
And this is a way, if you say, you know what, I would like to serve people through this church, but a lot of times people think this. They think, you know, it, it, you know I come to church, the lights are on, the music's working, the, the screen doesn't go off too many times in the service, right? So things, are, things seem like they're, they're taken care of. But a lot of times there's very few people doing so many things. Don't discount the value of people that just are willing to say, you know what, I'll work for the Lord. I am astounded. I am so impressed. My kids are involved in a number of sports leagues in the city here. And I am just blown away at how invested some people are to serve children in our community. I can think of, I can think of one guy. He's at that baseball field every day, making sure the grass is the right height, making sure the lines are down right. Whether his kids are playing that day or not, he is there. And I appreciate that. I appreciate it. But I think about this too. What about those of us who realize that the things of God are of eternal consequence? Are we as invested in the hard work of the ministry? It's a challenge, right? Number six, this is a great one, what we learn from this passage. Christian friendships transcend miles and years. Christian friendships transcend miles and years. And number seven, you will never regret a life spent for the cause of Christ. You will never get to the end of your life and say, man, I wish I watched more football games. Man, I should have taken more vacations. But there are some things. Common regrets are things like, you know, I should have spent more time with my children or I should have invested more in my family. But you know what? If you get to the end of your life, you'll never say, I shouldn't have spent all that time serving Jesus. It's not going to happen. Not if you truly serve the Lord Jesus Christ. You will never regret a life spent in the service of the King. You say, Ethan, you're kind of intense about this. Not if you put it in perspective. Do we believe the gospel message? Do we believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, came and lived a sinless life, died for our sins on the cross, rose from the dead, and left us with the mission to get the gospel to the whole world? If we believe that, then it's not about intensity, it's about a passion for the one who loved me so much. You see, I have received the gift of eternal life. Have you? Has there been a moment in your life where you've said, I'm a sinner, I cannot save myself, but I believe that Jesus died for me. You see, the reason that, that, that followers of Christ take it so seriously is because we realize how much we've been given. You see, we don't serve God to earn eternal life. We serve God because he's given us eternal life. And our lives are just a way to say, thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. So two questions. Are you a believer? Has there been a time in your life where you have done what I just described, where you have said, Jesus, I cannot save myself, but you died for me, I receive you. 
if you've never received Christ, not do you do good things, because that's, 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 that's after salvation. Have you begun by faith, saying, I cannot save myself, but Jesus, I receive you. If that's never happened, that's where it all starts. Would you receive Christ by faith today? And then, if you have received Christ, if you have received Christ, are you serving? Are you living as a friend in the gospel? We're going to have a time of prayer. I'd just like it to be still in the room for a minute or two. Heads bowed, please, and eyes closed. Let's go to a time of prayer. Each person privately in their seats, praying to the Lord, thinking about the scriptures we've looked at today. That first question, has there been a time in your life where you have received Jesus? You don't have to do anything to, to become a Christian. You simply have to believe on Jesus. So right now you say, Ethan, I'm not sure. Why don't you make sure today, whether you're in the room or watching online, you can simply pray a prayer from your heart, something like this. Say, dear God, I am a sinner. I'm lost without you. But I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. And I receive you as my Savior. I receive you, Lord Jesus. That's the starting point. That brings you into the family of God. If you're not sure that's ever happened, would you make that decision right now to receive Christ? Christian, now the time of reflection is for you. Our musicians are going to come. We're going to prepare to sing. But as they play just a few notes in quiet reflection, let's say, God, how do you want to use me? God, I want to give my life more. I want, to, I want to invest more. I want to go deeper in my walk with you. Let's just take up just a minute and pray. Ask God to keep working in our hearts this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you for how you work in our hearts. I thank you, Lord, for your great love that saves us and compels us to live for you. I pray for each and every one of us just to live for your glory and walk in your love for one another. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You can also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.